Hi, and welcome to Fashion Talks, the podcast about observing the world through the lens of fashion. I'm your host, Donna Bishop. Hi, everybody. Thank you for being here. Today, my guest is Atara Valentine, and we are going to be talking about not just his personal journey with fashion, but also leaning on his expertise as a hypnotherapist to talk about the relationship between fashion, the clothing we wear, our bodies, and our subconscious. Super interesting. Let me tell you a little bit more about Atara Valentine. He is a certified hypnotherapist and neural manifestation coach with specialized training in inner child healing, trauma recovery, mental and emotional release therapy, neuro-linguistic programming, PTSD, cancer, law of attraction, immune disorders, and weight loss. Atara has developed a very grounded, pragmatic approach to healing, leaving his clients feeling empowered and regaining trust in themselves through a process of conscious and subconscious cognitive reframing. Atara achieves this through a unique mix of NLP, hypnosis, MER therapy, mindfulness, and conscious learning. And I'm going to leave it at that. Let's get straight to the conversation. Hi, Atara. Hello, Donna. So this is the prologue to our Fashion Talks podcast. So thank you very much for coming back. We're here on a completely different day. I appreciate your time very much. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I could do it all over again. I loved it so much. Careful what you offer. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so what I would just love for us to connect some dots for for people as we as as our episode unfolds is you are a hypnotherapist. You do lots of amazing work with people with their subconscious, with body image. Can you please connect the dots for people so that they have this context while they're listening to the conversation of what is the relationship between our subconscious, our bodies, and how we treat our bodies, be that the fuel we put in it, the way we take care of it, to the clothes we put on it? Yeah, so what's interesting is we don't really pay attention to our belief systems. Most of us just walk around doing and being whoever it is that we think we are. And we may not even be entirely sure of what that is, right? But we have some kind of understanding that we define ourselves as me, right? And a lot of that isn't even established by us. A lot of that is established in our developmental years, right? In childhood, because of what our brain is doing. Because essentially... What people don't know is it's not until we're eight or nine years old that we start really developing our critical faculty in our brain. So we are just really suggestible. Essentially, we're in a state of hypnosis, right? Zero to two, we're in delta brain waves, which is deep sleep as an adult. Two to six, we're in theta, which is more like hypnosis meditation. And then five to nine, we're in alpha, which is intense creativity and imagination. So the world as it's unfolding around us is leaving such an imprint, even down to, I mean, everything food we like, relationship to our bodies, what we think is possible for ourselves, what is a real job, what's a hobby, what makes people happy, what doesn't. So it, so our relationship to clothing goes so deep. When you look at so many people and why I was so excited to have this conversation, and it's funny because when we got into talking, it ended up being so much more personal, right? Which there's so much value in that as well. But this angle is interesting because why is it so personal? And I think that's really what this prologue is trying to define, right? Because obviously we have our own identities or personas or whatever you want to call them, but clothing is so representative of how we are feeling about ourselves, within ourselves, within our bodies. And we look for some people, clothing is a punishment, right? Some people use clothing to hide. Some people use clothing to be seen. And all of this is dependent on what is happening in here in the subconscious, how we were raised, right? Some people have a negative association to what they put on because there was way too much value put on their looks when they were growing up to the point that they felt like they had to be something they weren't, right? I know for me, for sure, there was an idea of what a boy was and how they had to dress. And I just never wanted to subscribe to that, right? And I really rebelled the other way and it caused a lot of tension in my house. <laughs> Some people 
overly identify in a positive way and think that all of their value comes from their presentation. And then they never put any energy or attention in another area, right? So then when they physically start, you know, their body's not where they want it to be, or they can't afford certain things, or they can't keep up with the trend, it really affects their sense of self-worth because that is where their belief system lies, right? So it's something that can seem like it's very superficial, like clothing, isn't at all. It's literally a physical manifestation of our relationship to ourselves, just like our body is, right? And without going too deep on this, but how I work with people on that front is, especially when we're looking to connect with authenticity, when we're looking to find our voice, we have to look at all pieces of ourselves. And hair, clothing, but level of physical fitness, right? That's all about personal connection to ourselves. And we can tell a lot about how people feel within their body, how they dress their body, and how much energy and attention that they're putting into who they are, right? Where their importance is, where it isn't, and or even what their life looks like behind the scenes. Do they have time for themselves? Can they set boundaries? Can they not? All of these things, we people call them judgments, but they're judgments basically based on accurate information because this is how we chose to represent ourselves, right? And when we think of things like that, all of a sudden this conversation has so much more depth than we even realized, right? Because we know the person who's so stretched and has 9 million things going, who, you know, I have some clients, like if they get to like do their eyebrows in the morning, like that's a successful day for them, right? And it's the one area that they actually spend time on themselves. And I'll hear that in a session and I'll say, okay, so walk me through your day. What's happening? And while they're saying that they're doing something because they want to, it really unfolds that their belief system told them that they didn't have their own value unless they did things for other people. Make sense? So even getting dressed, even washing their face, anything like that feels like it's not necessary when they start comparing it to other things. So we can really work on their relationship with themselves, learning how to set boundaries, learning how to delegate responsibilities, because none of us are here to just be everything for everybody else. We have to be able to maintain some autonomy, some expression, and what a great avenue to do that than other than, I mean, with clothing, right? It is the thing we all have access to in some manner and something we all have control over. Like we are the ones that choose what we put on our bodies in the morning. Fully. And, and, you know, when people say even with clothing that, oh, it's superficial or it's this, or it's, you know, this is for elite people and this is for this. That's not how it works. Right. I actually, I talk about this in the episode, but my background initially was in apparel design and we learned so much about trickle down and trickle up so much street fashion will be reflected in runway fashion and runway fashion will slowly get diluted down and make it into the everyday consumer's wardrobe, right? So it's really not a you're in or you're out. There's choice for everybody and there's choice for expression for everybody. Atara, I'm going to leave it there so we can move to the episode. Perfect. Atara Valentine, welcome to Fashion Talks. I am thrilled that you are here to have this conversation. Thank you. And I am so excited to talk about this because... We know each other outside of this, obviously, in different circumstances, and this is a piece of my life I don't ever get to talk about, and fashion has been such a huge, uh, has had such a huge role in my life since I was a child, and somehow I've never talked about this before on a podcast, and there's so much that I'm excited to share, and when you reached out to me to do this, I was like, how did I forget about this giant piece of my life? So, so here we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's jump right in there. Can you like tell us your story and, and how has fashion woven into that? Yeah. So it's funny because fashion hasn't woven into it. I feel like fashion was my story and all of these other things that I'm doing are being woven into that, right? My basis in life always started with fashion from the time I was a little kid, right? So I really looked up to my grandmother when I was a child and my grandmother had two different things that she would do. She would do this very casual, you know, sweatshirt, 
jeans, sneakers thing, put on some pink lipstick and not even do her hair and walk out. Or she would become like the most glamorous person I ever saw in my life. And she would wear all these like sequins dresses and jackets and get her hair done and do makeup and put on her perfume. And I remember she had the Elizabeth Taylor perfume, like the white diamonds or whatever it was called, yeah, right? Totally, that was the totally. thing like in the 80s. <laughs> and I thought it was like magic because she's like, no, you have to close it because it will, it will evaporate. And so I always looked up to her and she was the person I got so much comfort from. And so basically what my life looks like is I always expressed myself through clothing because it was a medium. It was the first time I think in my life as a child that I understood that I could shape who I was. And I don't feel, I didn't feel I had the opportunity to do that with my personality because of the kind of household I grew up in, because there was so much trauma and violence and things like that. So I just kind of had to be whatever was expected of me and try and figure out how to make space. But so clothing was so empowering to me always. Like I treated clothing, like if you could imagine me as a child in the eighties, when we would go school shopping, I would define who I was going to be. I would think about it all summer. How do I want to go back to school? Like anybody cared, like anybody was waiting for me to, to reveal something. But for me, it was almost... It was this anticipation to grow into somebody else. And I got to be very thoughtful about what that looks like. And sometimes I would go back to school and I had one phase where I would, I bought like a bunch of berets, even though you couldn't wear hats because I thought that was artistic. And like these satin shirts that I would wear unbuttoned with a vest over them and like high waist jeans. And then another year I went and I wore all like head to toe cross colors, which was a brand that was really big that's now having a resurgence again. And uh, and then I started making my own clothes, all of this stuff as I developed. And it's interesting because it started so young because I loved Madonna. And she was one of the first people that I saw who didn't feel like a normal person to me. She just felt like I couldn't even imagine her being a height. Right. Like how I couldn't imagine how tall she was for me. Like it was like Godzilla when I saw Madonna, like I pictured she was like as tall as a skyscraper. Right. And she obviously used fashion and style to really define everything she was doing musically throughout her career and, and was able to really come to the forefront because of that. So that was one of my first expanders or role models on that front. And I was like, wow, she's from Michigan. That's where my stepdad's family was. I'm like, they're not like that. So if she can do that, I can be something else. And that was the beginning of it for me. And I used to sit and draw all of her blonde ambition costumes. I was obsessed with Gautier. I mean, I would sit and draw for hours and hours and hours her costumes, how I wanted to dress. And that ended up turning into me going to school for design on a full scholarship. So um, strangely, I never when, talked about that though. And when you were when you were young and you know, there's young Atara in the summertime plotting what he's gonna go back to school as. Were you envisioning, because I think that's so powerful, like I think everyone kind of has that moment, or many of us have that moment where we realize that clothing isn't there just to protect us from the elements. It can shape our identity, it can create who we want to be, it impacts who we want to feel. So I just want to follow up on that a little bit and ask, like, is there one outfit that kind of resonates with you as like that moment where you felt that switch from, this is just like cloth I put on in the day because I have to, you know, go out in the world to, oh my God, gosh, this is something more. And were you, were you dressing to be like, what was your thought process? Was it like, this is who I'm trying to be. This is who I feel I am. This is who I want people to understand me to be. I imagine there's a whole kind of cocktail in there of various thoughts. Yeah, exactly that. In different phases of my life, it, it has had a different meaning off the top of my head, the one outfit that I think of, I think the first one that I ever put on that I can remember in my body what it felt like was I was performing in a talent show and I was in sixth grade. And the year before I wanted to, uh, <laughs> this is such a funny story, actually. <laughs> so the year before, I wanted to be in the talent show, and I was always too afraid to sing, even though I sang and wrote music since the time I was a really small kid, but I was very shy. And 
somehow not shy enough to make up a dance for me to do by myself in front of the whole school who would bully me, right? But <laughs> but so I initially signed up to dance to the song Rhythm is a Dancer from, do you remember that song from the nine days, right? And I came up with this whole dance. I can feel it in the air, Atara. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then TLC came out. And you remember when TLC came out, they were wearing lots of cross colors. They were like putting the female condoms all over. Like, like it was all about safe sex, all of this stuff. Like, to be honest, I didn't even know what sex was at that time. But just the way that they they came out and they were so colorful and so bright, I was like, ooh, I love that. So I was like, I'm going to change my song in fifth grade from Rhythm is a Dancer to Ain't Too Proud to Beg because I didn't realize what it was about right? Which is uh, beg for sex, basically. And it talks about, you know, all of the stuff very um, <laughs> explicitly. And I remember- In the best Motown groove ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 100%. And I remember I went in and I did the same dance to that song. And all of the teachers were just like, there's a deer in the headlight. Oh my God, what do we do about this? And they were like, I think you should go back to your other song. It was like, no, no, no. Like, this is my creative expression. And because I was- it's so into Madonna, like the, I, I'm an artist, and you know that stuff. But yep. I heard her saying, "I won't compromise my artistic integrity," you know, in fifth grade. So they ended up making me continue with my original song, and because it was just me, they ended up making me have a partner who was this guy who was doing like back handsprings and stuff behind me the whole time, and like basically all I was doing was the Running Man. So I would just try and be more aggressive the with doing the running man <laughs> yeah <laughs> to keep the attention on me but it was ineffective so the following year i was like do you mind if i swear is that okay that's fine all right i'm from new jersey so yeah, you know bring it. um but the following year I was like fuck that like this year this is going to be my thing and i got a cross colors outfit which i loved i bought this jester hat from Great Adventure that had all of the, like it was yellow, green, blue, and red, and it hung over and it had these bells and everything was oversized and it had these combat boots and nobody was dressing like this, obviously, in Bayville, New Jersey. And I took it a step further and I signed up to be on the committee and I created all these decorations, these flowers that were literally like 15 feet high. I cut out like giant, huge petals with a circle and sunflowers and uh, behind and because I was on the committee for that, I made it so that every other person performed with the lights on. <laughs> and then when it was my turn, all of the lights went out in the gymnasium and a black light came on and I had all of the um, decorations behind me that matched my outfit that I felt so powerful in. Amazing. And I just, and I had like round, like John Lennon sunglasses on too. And that is the first time I ever got dressed that I was like, ooh, I feel powerful. And I think it's what was so exciting to me in becoming a, a musician because I got to express myself so much through fashion, design my costumes and all of that stuff. So yeah, that that's the memory that comes back. And what was the lasting impact of that? Like what do you think you continue to, you know, draw on when you when you reflect on that power? that fashion gave you? Yeah. So the thing is, I felt I didn't have any power internally, right? I, 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 because of my programming, obviously I'm a, a hypnotherapist um, and I deal a lot with people's belief systems. I was taught that my value came for, uh, from how I showed up for other people by things that I did, whether I got good grades, whether I was good at sports, which just I was not. Right. And none of the things that I actually really cared about or loved were supported. So I had to make space for them myself and they were very personal. Right. And so when I found clothing, it was one thing I really got to control. It was one thing I really got to define myself with. And I didn't have to be consistent. I didn't have to pick something and stay that way. So I was able to be a chameleon, which I still am. Right. I still, I, shift my look all the time. Every time I'm in transition, I still do that, right? I mean, I redid my office 
when I up-leveled the last time I bought all new clothes. I just changed my hair color, right? And I go through that. Every time I have a personal growth that's internal, I'll either shift everything in advance because I feel like something is coming and I need to push myself over the finish line. Or this last time I, I decided because I'm in this space now where I do have so many moving pieces and I'm booked out for six months in advance and I'm trying to finish a record and writing a book and I'm working on a TV show that everything in my life, I want to be simple. So I dyed my hair back to my natural color. I just went, I bought literally four pairs of boots in different colors, the same silhouette pants in different colors, the same kinds of tops in different colors, four jackets in different colors, three hats in different colors. So I just have a uniform that I can put on and know it always looks good. So, um, so that's still maintained and I will wear that and until it doesn't feel right. And then I'll do that again. (laughs) When we were talking before we came, before we started recording, um, we were talking a little bit about fashion as part of your, like, as part of your education, as part of your studies. How, how did it become part of your, of your education? Where did, like, there's the personal side of fashion, but where did it become right. something that was, that was more um, part of your, you know, perhaps professional aspirations or, or education? Yeah. So it was interesting because we got to that point. When I grew up, like college was not really something that everybody did, where it's pushed so much now for people, education, right? And I was actually the first person in my family to go to college. Um, so there was a, it was a pretty big deal when that happened. But, you know, it was scary when people would come in and be like, well, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And who do you want to be? And, you know, I really wanted to be a musician and I didn't know how, right? Because my dad was a musician, but he didn't get to the point that he wanted to, right? And so I, and I didn't know anyone else who was successful in that. I didn't know anyone in the music industry. And so when it came time for me to choose, I was like, well, I really like drawing, but I draw clothes, right? I sew, I, because my grandmother sewed, she taught me how to sew at a very young age, always made us costumes, all this stuff. So it was just a piece of me. So I was like, I think I'm going to go to school for design. So I took like a vocational class when I was in high school, 11th and 12th grade. I spent half of my um, half of my day in regular school where I took you know math and science and all the stuff I had to. And then the second half of school, I went to a fashion merchandising class. But me being who I was, even though it's funny because I had such low self-esteem, but I was totally in my vision simultaneously, if that makes sense, right? Because my vision was this thing that made me greater than I was. And I really committed to trying to figure out how to be that person. So even in high school, while I was being bullied by everybody and whatever, I, st- I always showed up exactly as I was, made my own clothes and used my clothes in that point to be like, oh, you're uncomfortable and you want to make me uncomfortable. Well, I'm going to show up to school and I'm going to make you even more uncomfortable every single day. Right? <laughs> and so with me like shaving my eyebrows off and I would go to- with the girls in schools and get like block braids that were literally down to like my waist. and. I, just anything that was disruptive, right? To try and push it back on people. And so when I got into this fashion merchandising class, I actually really pushed the teacher to allow me to focus on fashion design. And she did. And so essentially, I just really studied for those two years. And then when it came time to apply for schools, we didn't have money um, for me to go to college. And, you know, my mom cried when I started getting accepting to schools, not because she was happy because she didn't really know what we were going to do to make it happen. And I ended up based on all of the hours and time I put in my whole life drawing and, you know, croquis and clothing and all of this stuff that a croquis is like basically the the nine headed figure that you accentuate the human body with when you're, when you're drawing a design. But, um, so I was able to get a full scholarship to college for design and I beat out everybody in the country. And it was, I was like, wow, I think I really have something here. So I really focused my attention there. It was the first time I honestly paid attention. I went from being someone who almost flunked through every class my whole life because I just didn't want to be there to someone who was on the Dean's list and got straight A's because I was actually being seen and given space to be who I wanted to be. and. Yeah. And, and and it just took me so many places off the back of that. Fashion is something that, you know, it allows us to be seen, but 
But I also heard you talking a little bit about even though you were perhaps wearing things that were really, you know, uh, out there in the sense that no one else was going to be dressing like you, that wasn't also to be seen. That was also to kind of hide a little bit, right? Do you feel there's that tension sometimes with we dress to be seen or we dress to deflect or protect at the same time? Yeah, I, I think for me, definitely not now, right? I definitely dress as an extension of exactly who I am. And I, I dress for myself so that when I look in the mirror, I look how I feel, right? And that's my focal point now. At that time, I wanted people to see me. People were seeing me whether I wanted them to or not, right? Like, and if my, it's funny because people, people be like, oh, well, you're doing this for attention or this. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, even if I just wear shorts and a t-shirt, people are still singling me out where I grew up. Whole families would turn around even when I was dressed normal, just because, you know, I have high arching eyebrows. I had even puffier lips. I have high cheekbones. Like I didn't look like anybody else where I grew up. I grew up around a bunch of like basic like white people. Right. And I'm half Puerto Rican. I'm Danish, Irish, Slovakian. I have this weird, I'm tan. They weren't right. So I just really stood out. And on top of that, like was gay. So people were finding me regardless of what I did. And I was getting attention that I didn't want. So I decided to do something with it. And I crafted kind of like you're saying this shield. I created a persona of who I needed to be to kind of survive what I was dealing with and try and push some of that energy back at people. And so it was much more of a reaction or a, or a retaliation at first, right? And it made me feel strong because I knew that, you know, the head quarterback who just pushed me into the locker, that his girlfriend, like, was so impressed by the way that I dressed and thought I was so cool. And that wouldn't happen again because we became friends, right? So, so it, so that's where I really started noticing the power in it, right? And then as, as I've just grown up and matured, I've, it's just shifted and it's just become something else. But at that time, it was so necessary. When you look back and look at the various ways that you used fashion and, st and I use like fashion style dressing, like to me, they're all interchangeable, right? Because I think mm -hmm. the capital F fashion industry, and I want us to touch on this in a, in a little bit, can get this like kind of, it's only, fashion's only for the privileged, it's frivolous, it's shallow. So you know, we're not talking about, you know, brands and stuff like that, though. I do want us to dig into, you know, how do you use this tool with whatever you have access to? Mm -hmm. um, but when you reflect on the ways that you've presented yourself, like there's a awesome photo that I found of you and your husband and Alan Cummings, where you have a very different vibe going on. It's very oh, yeah. goth. Your hair is really long. Like when mm -hmm. you look back at the various ways that you have evolved from a stylistic point of view, how do you reflect on where you were authentically, how you were, um, you know, growing, how you were in your creative journey? Do you, mm -hmm. do you tie the two together sometimes or reflect on that? Yeah, I do. You know, it's really interesting because I, I was walking with my husband this morning and we were talking about this. And I said, what's really funny looking back, because even when I signed with Atlantic Records, right? I was super gothy. I was very, very slim, like eating disorder at that time. I had black hair that was, you know, below my ribs. I was wearing head to toe Comme des Garçons. Like I was such a look. And my music fit, all of my imagery fit, all my videos. And uh, that's, and I was 100% in my vision, but not in my worth at all. If Talk that more makes about sense. That. How do you right? unpack that a little bit more? Yeah, so I I looked, nobody would ever guess that I had any self-esteem issues because I presented myself in a way that seemed like I didn't care. I was ready to be seen, ready to have all the attention, and it was perfect. I mean, I was dressing away. Nobody dressed. I was making music. My record, I made it in 2005. It was all found sound electronics. I would sit under a bridge, record it, turn that into the drum beat. I had a 20-piece string section on it, right? It was all classical music, but, but but a little edgy pop. There was some synth stuff. I worked with a producer who worked with Bjork at the time. Like Everything was so tight, but nothing actually was grounded in anything. 
right? Because I was, there was still an idea of me that was being what I thought I had to be, to be interesting, right? So some of the photos, like the one with Alan Cumming that you're talking about, I think I'm wearing a leather vest with really, um, I, I actually designed it and I had it made. Um, I used to have a tailor I worked with and it had four layers of shoulder pads to get that really square, like ball man shoulder, right? Yep. And my hair was orange, like bright electric orange. And I was wearing like wedges and like, I, I just knew I was going to fashion parties. I'm like, what do I have to do to be seen? That was such my motivation mm-hmm. because that's the only way I was ever seen, right? And, and I over-identified with it. So that's always what motivated me. And then when I would start getting bored of it or I felt like I wasn't getting attention, I would shift. So I was coming from a very insecure place, but it allowed me to come across like a very secure person to the person who was looking at me. And was that, there must have been immense usefulness to that at the moment. Fully. I mean, I was able to, you know, be at a party and talk to at Alan Cumming and to talk to Rose McGowan and talk to these people who own these big fashion houses and was shot by Craig McDean for Interview Magazine and opened up like the lead page of that story. And right, because my look actually opened a lot of doors for me. And and I knew it, right? And I still, now it's interesting because I don't really try. I just show up. But I know that I just have a look regardless, right? And it supports what I do, but it's not what leads it anymore. But at that time, of course, I mean, how amazing to just put effort into yourself and really shape how you want to be and walk out and have it appreciated in a way that you've never experienced before. Like what a gift that was. Well, and I think that's a gift that we all have. It's just, we don't often realize that it's something at our fingertips. So how do you use that? How do you use that gift now? Do you use it the same way? Do you use it differently? Yeah. So here's, it's interesting because when I'm in my house, I'm literally in a sweatsuit. (laughs) But what I realized is even when I leave the house in that sweatsuit, it's like a perfectly fitting sweatsuit. Everything is a vibe. My baseball cap matches, my sneakers match, my bag matches, right? So I just naturally put things together like that. But it's it was interesting uh, on this front watching my husband go through the past you know few years with COVID because he was diagnosed with cancer very early on um, with the first round of COVID. How's his health and now? He's he's great. Yeah, now he's totally in the clear now. But at the time, it was interesting because his clothing really kept him in a positive mindset. He got dressed, even though he was having radiation, even though he was getting immunotherapy, even though we were just sitting in the house doing nothing. I I, I mean, I was a total slob at this point. And he would come downstairs in a suit and his shoes and all of his jewelry on every single day he got dressed. Because it really helped keep him in this positive mindset. And it's one of the biggest factors to his recovery because he never, he never identified or showed up as the sick person who's just giving in and letting go. He was like, no, no, no. Like, this is who I am. This is how I show up. And I mean, we're like suit, tie, watch, rings, did his hair every day, shoes, full outfit for us to sit in the house and do nothing. Right. <laughs> and I, love and I think, yeah. And I think that says a lot. Right. And that's the thing. And now it's kind of the same. I know when I leave the house because I do have an eye and I am so connected. My clothes are no longer wearing me. They're just an extension of who I am. And I know that resonates with people. You know, when we go superficial as it sounds, we go and we're in like our, you know, double RL robe and our, you know, platform boots and our boot cut jeans. And we're going to the Gucci store on Rodeo and people scream out the window, you look amazing and you look this. And it's like, so I still, I get this attention now, but not just because of my clothing, but just because my clothing is just accentuating my energy and people actually appreciate that and they find it really inspiring. Right. And, and I think that's what we're here to do is really motivate and inspire each other. And what, what a great way to do it. uh, What is a better way to do it than visually? 
because we can make a huge impact on people before we even open our mouth. Like I walk by people on the street and people will look at my outfit or see me and my husband walking together and just smile at us and be like, you guys look amazing. And it, it makes their day better. Right. And I do the same thing when I see people who do that. And I appreciate living in Los Angeles because, you know, some people will say, oh, well, it's this. And people only care about how they look and whatever else. And, and I would argue like, why is that a bad thing for people to care how they look? I appreciate that I live in a culture here that people are excited to get dressed up to go take a picture of themselves drinking a coffee because they're, that's actually self-care. They're putting so much time and energy and effort into making themselves look the way that they want to, to feel a certain way, to do a basic task instead of just going out in Crocs and you know sweatpants with holes in them and like a, a stained old t-shirt, right? And I think when we do that, that actually makes us feel worse about ourselves. Not because we're comfortable, but because we stop being inspired by ourselves. We stop being excited, right? We're just like, oh, whatever. I had kids now, so I don't get dressed anymore. I don't do my hair. I don't like so many of my clients that I work with who are trying to reconnect with who they are after having children or after their children growing up and leaving the house. They they're like, oh my God, a great day for me is if I get to do my eyebrows. If I get to if I get to fill in my eyebrows, that's a great day for me. Doesn't that say something, right? So th this is important. Imagine if you got to do that and make the time for yourself and, and have boundaries and be able to really present yourself the way that you want to. How would you be showing up for your kids differently? How would you be showing up at work differently? How would you feel in your body if you were doing that every day, right? It's not as superficial as people think. It is not as superficial as people think. And I'd love for you to speak a little bit more about that connection between self-worth and self-care, because I think dressing is part of self-care. Whether you're choosing to wear a t-shirt and jeans every day, or whether you have like closet real estate for days and are pulling things out, it is something that, you know, it, which comes first, how we feel about ourselves and what we put on, or does what we put on change how we feel about ourselves? And, and where have you experienced that synergy? I think it depends, right? So it, for me, whatever I put on has to fit how I feel. That's how I get dressed, right? I woke up today. I'm like, oh, I want to wear something a little more fitted, kind of cozy and warm. And I'm in the 70s vibe currently, right? And then other times, if I'm for a performance or a video, that's when I will kind of push the line for myself, right? How, how do I want to feel? How do I want to embody this song in music? And I'll always think about the clothing and the design and the set before I even think about the video concept. And everything will be built around that, right? So I think it depends on what kind of a person you are, but that's, you know, we tend to do that more when we're going to an event. We think we put that hat on, right? What is the impact that I want to have? How do I want to feel? What makes me feel like, or, an, or a job interview, right? That's when we, we put that much thought into it. And then day to day, I think it's more functionality for a lot of people. But um, yeah, but for me, I, I'm totally about functionality at this point over trying to make a statement, but I think I just tend to make a statement in general because I don't dress like a an average guy. Well, and the functionality still takes care. Like there's still consideration, there's Fully. still there's still thoughtfulness um even if it's not, you know, dressing to the nines and it's just like I'm going to be cozy, I'm going to sit at home. I think as our sense of self-worth grows, we understand that how we feel in our skin and in our clothing just radiates that no matter what we're doing. Definitely. And I think just on the self-care and the self-care and the self-worth piece, right? How does all of this tie into clothing, right? Like who cares? Like whether I get dressed or not, who cares whether or not I do my hair or not? You care. And I see so many people who are disempowered, especially women, right? My mom, I'm going to take, for example, when my mom doesn't know how to do something because she did her makeup the same way for 30 years, and now there's all these new techniques that people have and new ways that people wear eyeliner and new, right? All of this stuff that like in the 80s, right? In 70s, like that's not what people were doing. 
right? But when you can't do that and you keep looking at yourself and you want to change and you don't know how to, it actually affects your self-esteem because you're like, oh, well, whatever. I I look like crap. I'm just not because you see other people who advance. But those people went and took a class. They learned how to do something, right? If they if they're not happy with their clothes, they actually take time to go and buy other ones, right? With and when we don't do that, we can really keep ourselves emotionally stuck. Oh, I'm so sick of everything. Oh, I'll just wear this. Who cares? I'm just going to look like shit again today. And that's what ends up happening, right? And that is such a hit to your self-worth. What if, right, with regardless of what you find superficial or not, what if we just looked at your day every single day as an opportunity to do things that make yourself feel good? What could you put on today that makes you feel good? What can you do in your morning routine that makes you feel good? What could you drink in the morning that makes you feel good? Who can you talk to that made you feel good? All of this is just a piece of really having a rich life. And the more space we can make for all of these things, including having intention behind what we put on and thinking about it and showing up and feeling the way that we want to, the better our day is going to be and the better our life is going to be. So something I don't think you and I have ever talked about is I have background as a makeup artist, something I did one of my early careers. And the intimidation that I would see with women sometimes in terms of like trying something new, like blush was the big fear, right? I can't put blush on. It's like, just try. It will wash yeah. off. Try that red lipstick. I think fashion and beauty is such a beautiful place for people to start to experience self-trust because. For everyone who says, oh, I don't know what looks good on me. It's like, yes, you do. Like, just take a moment and listen to yourself and like, take a moment when you look in the mirror and think like, stop worrying about what other people might think you look good in. It's such a empowering place to experiment with. What is it that I like that I think can proliferate into so many other areas of our lives? Definitely. And, you know, we have um, my mother-in-law staying with us. And for her Christmas present, we had a friend who's a celebrity makeup artist sit with her and help her like find new colors and teach her how to just do like an everyday look that's going to feel good to her. And she ended up going and getting a completely different palette than she would normally wear and felt so good afterward because and because she learned something new also. And that's what we need to do here right? It's like the moment we stop ourselves from growing, we're stuck. And most of us don't want to stay in that space. No, we don't want to go and wear the same thing every day. We don't want to have to look the same every day, do our hair the same every day. You know, I don't know what happened in the 80s, but for some reason, everyone in the 80s, their hair got paused like that for like 15 years. (laughs) Do you remember that? Like, (laughs) yeah, the the hairspray and the feathering and the layers, and then you would see them age and their hair was staying the same. And then finally something happened in the early 2000s where they changed it. But but then it makes people feel disconnected and outdated, right? Because, well, that's not me. And I don't know if I like this. It's like, well, you get to try. That's the joy in all of this. You get to try to be anything that you want to be. And sometimes putting on a different color will do that. Sometimes wearing a different silhouette will do that, right? You get to create this identity. In your own journey, Atara, because you've been so, so open for anyone who follows you on social, and we'll, we'll put all that at the end when we wrap up in a few minutes, and it'll be in the show notes so people can follow your amazing Insta account. When you now reflect on, you know, when you felt your self-worth really like grow, where you felt like you were really being authentic in in different phases. What are now the, the outfits or the clothes where you're like, this feels like, like this feels like me right now? Yeah. So right now for me, it's a slim silhouette, a boot cut or like a bell-bottom jean, a platform boot, one of my hats and a great jacket. Just very simple pieces, but a very specific silhouette. And it's what I wear a version of every single day. And I, when I put that on, like, it feels like I'm myself. And can you articulate why that is? Like, do you, do you have a sense of like why that silhouette makes you feel so at home, so powerful in your, in your skin? Yeah. So uh, essentially, I was wearing skinny jeans for the past, I mean, 
really long time before skinny oh, jeans were even a thing for men, <laughs> right? Because yeah. skinny jeans came out for women first. So I started buying women's jeans. My mom would take me to Express when I lived in New Jersey when I was in maybe like ninth grade in high school. Skinny jeans actually didn't become a thing for men until I was like after college, right? Um, so a lot of like the emo scene, like a, a lot of those guys were wearing women's jeans also. And that was later as well. So I kind of got stuck in skinny jeans for a while because there was not another silhouette that I liked when it came to jeans. And I would put like a, a relaxed fit on and I felt like my dad or something. right? <laughs> and and so I got I got stuck in them for a long time. And then Levi's recently uh, introduced a bunch of high waist um, boot cut and bell bottom pants for men. And I tried a pair on and I bought those and I bought a bunch of the ones that they have for women because the silhouette's a little more extreme. And I put those on and it did everything that my skinny jean did. But I kind of felt like the skinny jean needed to go because I wanted to have, right, I wanted to have like a heavier shoe than I would normally wear. So I wanted the flare or the boot cut. And it it just gives me this elongated, statuesque. Yeah, it changes my proportions with my my boots and it just I don't it just makes me feel just fluid. When I walk down the street, I feel like uh, just like I'm just walking on air, right? And it's just very streamlined and relaxed and nothing is overthought, but everything looks as it should. Which is the best feeling. Yeah, definitely. Now when we, we're going to wrap up in a couple of minutes. So I just want, before we wrap up, can you talk a little bit, because I know you work a lot with your clients um, on body positivity and, and whatnot. How do you guide people or how would you suggest to people that fashion and clothing can help support them in a journey where they are looking to be more body positive, if perhaps they're working through an eating or a body issue? Yeah. So I don't, I'm not into body positivity or body acceptance. Um, I think the way that I work with people around body image and around weight is very different because while the idea of body positivity and body acceptance sounds great on paper, it actually is, I found very destructive for clients because they have a hard time accepting something that doesn't make them happy. And they're being told that they should and they have to and you have to love yourself as you are. But the reality is your body is the physical manifestation of so many other factors. And weight isn't actually the cause. Weight is the effect of other stuff. How you deal with your emotions, right? What your relationship to food is, what your acti- your relationship to activity is, right? So all of this creates what our body does. And so I really work with people to get into the belief system and start framing out how they want to feel in their body, not how they want their body to look. Because I think when we deal with the feeling and we deal with all of the core issues, we get so much more freedom as a result when we stop worrying about weight and measurements and all stuff like this. And then as a byproduct, that stuff just eventually gets to where your authentic body is supposed to be, right? But one thing that I do say with people, because one of the places that we're all very hard on ourselves on this front is that as soon as it comes to us buying things for ourselves, most people have a problem where that feels frivolous or selfish and they don't do it. And they can buy gifts for other people and support other people making purchases, but they feel bad if they buy something that's a little expensive or, well, I don't really need these things. And, and I would argue you 100% do because regardless of where you are, right? If we take ownership over our body, which is what I'm much more focused on, because that means we're taking ownership of where it is, how it got there, then we can change whatever we want to. But if we own it, we will also own where we are and decide how we want to show up in our life. And clothing is such a great motivation for people to buy something, feel good, then realize in a moment without your body changing at all, you can completely change the way that you're showing up. You can change your mood. You can change the way you feel about yourself when you look in the mirror by being like, ooh, actually, I've never worn jewel tones before. And when I wear these, my skin looks so alive. And right. So it can really accentuate the beauty that you already have where you have. 
And that's why I think it's such a gift. And so when I do this internal work with people, there will, I, there will come a point and I'll be like, okay, well, how are you reflecting this around you? How are you reflecting this in your environment, in your house? How is this showing up and how you're showing up in your friendships? How is this showing up and how you're dressing yourself? Is that the hair that feels the most aligned with you right now? Right? And people don't think about that. And then they'll come back and they're like, oh my God, I dyed my hair. I feel so much more like myself and I'm back to my natural color. Or I realized I wanted to be blonde my whole life, but I was too afraid. Or I realized I was hiding my body and I'm wearing more form-fitting things now because this is my body and I'm owning where I am. And that's amazing. Yeah. It's like, you know, I love, I've always loved, I hate the word makeover, but that's what we would call them is the makeover shows, you know, the what not to wear's. My daughter and I are watching the latest session of Queer Eye right now. And it's that moment where people see themselves in a way where maybe it's their internal and their external being aligned. Maybe it's just like this jolt of energy where they realize that things can be, be it different, be it more authentic, be it, you know, not, not better, but just. enhanced in a way they didn't think. And that moment where they see themselves to me is one of the most powerful moments we can have as individuals because hopefully the ripple effect of that is strong and long. Definitely. And I think like exactly what you're saying, what happens when people do this, when they hire a personal shopper, right? When they go to a makeup artist, when they go to a different hairstylist is They have an opportunity to see themselves through somebody else's eyes, someone who actually can see their natural beauty and be like, ooh, actually, if we cut your hair to here, your jaw is going to look so much more structured or this is going to put more attention on your eyes. If we do your eyebrow like this, this is going to open up, right? So, and you can, and you're giving someone who's an expert the opportunity to really help you have a huge shift with such a minor thing. Right. Instead of keeping yourself stuck, like, oh, well, this is what I am. And this, I just have to accept it. We have to accept nothing ever. (laughs) Atara, thank you so much for joining me today. If people are interested in maybe booking a session with you or following your journey, hearing about your music, where are the places that people can find you? Yeah. So the best place is always Instagram. My email is like, absolutely insane so (laughs) shoot me a dm at atara valentine on instagram for anything whether it's internal work whether it's just comments on this um love a dm (laughs) and for watching your fabulous style thank you so much for being here atara (laughs) thank you thank you so much for joining me today i hope that you enjoyed this conversation as much as i did i would love to connect with you on social you can find me at fashion talks pod on instagram is the best place if you have a moment to rate and review fashion talks on apple podcasts i would so appreciate it it helps other people find the podcast a big thank you to CAFA, the Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards, uh, the producing partner with Fashion Talks. You can find out more about CAFA and all the other things we've talked about today in the show notes. Until next time, thank you so much for joining me. Bye. Bye.